Well, good morning, Gateway family. It is great to see you this morning. As you come in, if you want to make your way and find a seat, we are so grateful on this beautiful summer morning that we get to gather together to worship the Lord and to be together as a church family. So thankful each of you are here today. Now, several announcements for us as we get going this morning. Um, As you know, last week we finished up our study of Rooted, that we spent a year in this study of big picture of what we believe. As you've heard me say before, we're going to 1 Peter next. That starts in two weeks. We have something special today. William Fox, one of our elders, is going to be preaching for us this morning. He's doing, if you want to call it, almost an addendum to Rooted, but it's talking about why guarding the truth is so important. So I'm really excited about this. You have under your seat this morning a handout. And so this is for William's sermon later today. So this is, that was colorful. It's not part of VBS. This is for you today during the sermon. This is part of William's sermon today. And so I want you to have a heads up. If you're visiting with us, I want you to know that William Fox, one of our elders, is the one who is preaching for us this morning. Now, I mentioned that Rooted starts in two weeks. And so we're doing, sorry, First Peter starts in two weeks. Next Sunday, be looking. We have scripture journals for you. If you remember this, we've done other books of the Bible before. This is the scripture text on one page with a blank page next to it. So you have a space to take notes and to write out prayers and to just make comments from sermon notes to your own study. So we have these. These will be out next Sunday. So when you arrive for Bible study beforehand or when you arrive next Sunday, be looking for these all over campus and grab one so you can have one to start reading ahead as we get ready for First Peter in two weeks. Now, just a few things coming up I want you to be aware about. We're not having our Sunday afternoon prayer gathering today for those who are used to coming on the second and fourth Sundays. This week, today, we're setting up for Vacation Bible School, and there'll be the whole campus will be buzzing with people everywhere in every room getting ready. So we encourage you to be at home praying for the week ahead with all the kids coming, but we're not meeting in this room today like we do the second and fourth Sundays, but we will be back together at 8 a.m. next Sunday in room one. Speaking of Bible School, as you can tell, it's already getting decorated. Things are coming together for it. It's starts tomorrow morning. So boys and girls, y'all excited about Bible school? There we go. So tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. This is for first to fifth graders. If you've not registered yet, please do so today. We need the kids pre-registered so they can check in tomorrow morning. You'll bring all the kids to the kiosk and check all ages in. So any kid who's here will check in at the kiosk to get their name tag and your pickup slip. Details are on our website, gatewaybaptist.com. Now, several things coming up, opportunities for you. The ladies' Bible study for the summer, it began last uh, Monday evening, and they have more than 30 women packed into the room. It was a great group with more planned to come. So ladies, if you're not yet involved with that, it's a great chance to connect and build community with one another. Y'all are studying Esther on Monday nights at 615. It's not too late to join, so if you'd like to be part, please come tomorrow night to the youth room in the gym building at 615. Men, we're having every other week fellowships this summer to help you build community and get to know each other. And our next one is coming up, not this Wednesday, but a week from Wednesday on the 22nd. We're going to the Biscuits baseball game together. So guys, I'm excited about this. It'll be a fun time for us to get together and have a fun evening together. We have a block of tickets that we've pre-purchased. And so we need you to register and get your tickets through the church website, gatewaybaptist.com. Go to our news and events section. You'll see the Biscuits um, information out there and you can get your ticket um, from us on that so we can all sit together at the game. Now, last announcement, Discover Gateway. This is a chance if you've been visiting Gateway and want to know more about us, it's a lunch and then a class at my house on a Sunday afternoon where we talk about who Gateway is and how to connect here, what we believe and how you can be involved here. That's coming up in just a few weeks on June 26th, right after the worship service. And so if you're interested in that, you can register through our website, gatewaybaptist.com. You see it under news and events, and you can sign up there. And if you have any questions, just find me today before the service is over. Now, CJ's going to come and give us a missions update about Ty. Good morning, church. 
As we did a couple weeks ago, uh, give an update on the widens who are heading out. Um, Ty wanted me to just give the update and share. This is Ty Carmichael. He's been a part of our church for over four years now, and um, he has a heart for missions, been on multiple mission trips around the world, different places. And uh, since January, uh, the Lord had led him to go to Youth with a Mission. It's an international organization called YWAM, where Nikki and I spent five years in the early to mid-90s, um, actually where I met Nikki, where the Lord brought us together there. And uh, so starting in January, he was a part of a Crossroads Discipleship Training School, which is primarily for those about 25, upper 20s and up. And uh, so he was a part of a school of about uh, 13 to 15 people. And uh, so they go through training uh, for three months, uh, intimate time with the Lord, uh, growing in his walk with the Lord and discipleship and so forth. And then he just got back from a six-week trip to Jakarta, Indonesia, where he and the team spent uh, six weeks at Jakarta International University doing discipleship and um, training, um, discipling young people, college students, kids, doing VBSs. And the Lord also opened the door for Ty to minister to a Muslim family with some of the students there and traveling even to uh, their home and being able to minister the gospel in that way. So uh, we just wanted to give you an update on that. And uh, he's going to be teaching the youth, sharing his heart this Wednesday night about Jakarta and uh, what God did there. But the neat added little benefit that the Lord has done, as he put in his newsletter yesterday, the Lord is writing his story. Amen. For all of us, God is directing his steps and ordering his steps. And uh, the Lord, through that school, had a precious young lady from the Faroe Islands um, who was a part of his school. The Lord started working on their relationship and friendship and just over those months. And when they were in Jakarta, God just started knitting and they were sharing their heart and their ministry and their calling together. And so the next chapter of his life, God is writing, is God is sending him to the Faroe Islands, which is in between Iceland and England. Uh, just as the Lord brought me that precious lady there during our YWAM years, uh, he and his, the precious lady named Elsa feels like this is the Lord to cultivate the relationship and to take the next steps and seeing what God is going to do for their ministry and their future and partnership. So in the Faroe Islands, uh, they're going to be able to work with a local church, do youth camps in the summer. And there's a door open through uh, Elsa's father as a pastor on one of the other islands. And they have a direct connection to work with an orphanage in Kenya. And so uh, Elsa's mom is like, I was already talked to Ty about the possibility of connecting with the orphanage, being a part of it, ministering, just going down to put boots on the ground to see what God may want to do in connecting him with that nation. So, so happy. He and I have gotten to be very dear friends over the past few years meeting together. Just as the Lord brought Nikki, I'm so excited about his future and what the Lord may do with he and Elsa and what the Lord has called them to. So we're just very grateful what God is doing, and we're just going to keep him in your prayers. We'll be mentioning different things at times. He'll be back in September for a brief um, layover in between the Lord sending him back, and Elsa may be able to come over in October for us to meet her. So we just be praying for them. they got to work through the relationship, through these ministry opportunities, through youth camps, and all he's going to do this summer, and then possibly even leading them to Kenya to work there. So we love you, bro. Excited. So let's pray for him. Father, we thank you so much for our brother Ty. Thank you, Lord, for his friendship. It's been such a joy over the past few years to watch him grow and to see his hunger for you, his passion for you. God, his heart for the nations. This man loves taking the gospel to the nations. And I just pray, Lord, that as you have ordered his steps, that as he says in his newsletter, you're penning the next chapter of his life. 
And, Lord, that you have brought this precious, precious young lady, Elsa, into his life. God, we just pray, God, that you would speak, that you would reveal, that you would continue to cultivate their relationship. Guide and direct their steps, Lord, as they may be also becoming ministry partners, Lord, for the kingdom. We just pray you help this relationship guide and direct it. Open doors for them in the Faroe Islands as they bring the gospel and disciple young people. And then the doors that may be opening for Kenya, Lord, that he would be involved to take the gospel to that orphanage and that nation. We're so grateful to see the work that you're doing in his life. Thank you that you've brought him thus far. And we just commit him to you to pray for him. And God, we're so excited about the next start of his adventure um, in the Faroe Islands. Bless him, Lord. Provide for him all that he needs. And you get all the honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you, buddy. All right, let's stand and prepare our hearts for the Lord. And to worship him through song and just in our grief share time this morning, there was a phrase that was mentioned. And guys, we're here this morning to celebrate grace. Amen. We're in this room because of God's grace and his love for us and dying for us and saving us, restoring us, transforming us. And here's what it says in Psalms 103 in that regard. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and in acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Let's worship him together.
He gives life. You give life. You are love. You bring life to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is again.
never take for granted this community. You have made us one in Jesus Christ. 
And that's it. That's the whole basis of our unity, Lord. Forgive us when we grumble and complain because things aren't as we would have them. Forgive us when we desire more than you. Bring us to a place of repentance here in this place, Lord, that we would worship you and humble ourselves at your feet and be overwhelmed with praise and worship for you. Thank you for saving us, Lord. Thank you for making us your children. Thank you for making us brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, we confess that we have loved ourselves more than you and more than one another this week. We confess that as a community and individually, Lord, we have sinned and we receive your forgiveness. Thank you that you meet us with grace. Thank you that you invite us into your presence in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And Lord, today, because you are holy, I pray that we would desire to be holy. I pray that we would see so clearly that our joy and our rest and our peace is walking with you not in the ways of this world, not in the things this world has to offer. Those are good gifts. But our joy, our hope, just all things are found in walking humbly with you, our good Father. Revive us, Lord. Renew our faith. We believe, help our unbelief. We need you today, Lord. And we lift up these requests to you as one body, Lord. We pray for the kids in this church, for the VBS that's going to be happening this week. Thank you that we have a place that these children are going to come and they are going to hear the truth. What a joy. What a privilege. What an honor. And we just pray that you would be with every volunteer, with every child that's coming, that you would just reign supreme over this week. We pray that you, Jesus Christ, would be held high that these kids would hear and believe the truth of the gospel. Pray that you would bring kids from our community, Lord. I pray that this would be a welcoming place for those who are broken, Lord. I was reading a quote from Martin Luther this week that says, for those of us who are Christians, if we desire to live only with other Christians, we are blasphemers. We are here at this time in history to be amongst unbelievers and share the truth to them. So this week at VBS, Lord, bring unbelievers to hear your truth. Lord, we pray for John Holbrooks. He's the ministering in the Mistech community. What a faithful brother, Lord. Thank you for his ministry. Even this week, he got to go and minister to a family uh, of, of, a, of a child who's at Cabot Heights Middle School who committed suicide. He got to go with his team and with other believers that have come to faith because of his faithfulness. And he got to minister to this family, Lord. And we pray that they would come to faith in you as a result of that. But we pray you bless John, that you continue to give him resources and energy and opportunity and open doors, and that he would just sit in your presence today and know that he is loved by you. Lord, we pray for Cameron Bell and Southside Gospel Fellowship. Thank you for him and, and Tara's faithfulness, Lord, as they seek to minister over there in the, in the Cloverdale community and beyond, Lord. And we just pray that you would draw people that need to know you. Thank you for the way they're going out in the community. They're knocking on doors. They're building just true community there in that, Lord. And we pray that you would bless them, that you would protect them, that you would guard them, and that many would come to faith through that church, Lord. We pray for our government. We pray for Governor Ivy and Mayor Reed, Lord. We pray that they would look to you. Lord, we thank you. Government is a gift from you. It's a gift that, that you give power and authority to, to bring order um, out of chaos, Lord. And so we pray that those two would seek you, their administrations would seek you, that those who work for them would seek you, Lord, 
and that they would humble themselves under your mighty hand and recognize you are the one who holds all authority. And they would cry out to you for help in that, Lord. Lord, we pray for uh, global missions this morning. We pray uh, there's a small missions team in Ukraine led by Brazilian Baptist partners. And as they minister the gospel in that war-torn environment, Lord, we pray that you would bless them as they go. We pray that you would bring peace to that nation. We pray that you would change the heart of Vladimir Putin, that you would cause him to desire peace rather than war. Lord, we pray that you would bring your glory out of this terrible suffering, Lord, and that you would be with this team who's there. Lord, what an awesome thing that they're going to bring the message of hope amongst those in despair. And so we just pray that that your light would shine brightly. Lord, we pray for the offering given today and online. We pray that we would be faithful, Lord. We pray that we would give from cheerful hearts to your work, to your gospel work, and that the money given here would truly go to further your kingdom. And Lord, we pray for William. Thank you for my brother. Lord, thank you for his faithful service to this church, to his family, to his community. Lord, I know he's been preparing, he's been studying, he's been praying. Um, from From that spreadsheet, it looks like he's been doing a lot of work, Lord. And we just pray that as he comes, he would bring the word of truth, that he would communicate clearly what you have placed on his heart and that we would receive that and be changed by that. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to do a work here this morning. Make us content. Put us in awe of who you are. We worship you. We thank you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Kids are, kids are all dismissed. Okay. <laughs> all right. I know you're thinking. He's planning to be there a long time. <laughs> but that is not what, do I need to move this? I'm not planning to be here that long, but I wouldn't use that. So you've seen this pink sheet, it's under your seat. Um, I'll get into that in a minute. I just want to let you know on this is also your VBS assignment for this week and what day you're supposed to show up. <laughs> Read carefully. You've, you've, your picture's been taken by the camera, and so, so they'll know. But uh, we'll get to that. I did find my first mistake. I forgot to put the verse on here on the back. You're supposed to guard the truth, but I didn't tell you which it was. So I'll, I'll get to that in a minute as well. But All right. Well, good morning, everybody, and um, I want to uh, start with prayer for me and for you, and uh, it is out of 2 Timothy. I pray, Father, that uh, I will do my best to present myself as one approved, one who is not need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth, and I pray for all of us that... uh, as we, as we hear, our hearts are moved, and only your spirit does that. It is not the words of man that does that. It's the, it's the spirit of God who does that. We thank you that you are here with us today, in Jesus' name. So I am William Fox, 
and I serve as an elder here. And a couple months ago, Grady said, uh, between the Rooted series and when, I guess, First Peter starts, it'd be nice to have somebody else step in to have a break there. Um, and uh, so I said, well, I'll, I'll consider that. And, and so I prayed and considered that, and I had an idea that I was going to be, I'd been chewing on for a while myself, and so I said, maybe I'll do that. And so I took that topic and I said yes and that may be a good topic for another day but that's not the one that God uh, gave me for today and uh, think of Ty and his story uh, Ty where are you Is Ty in here I'm sure I, I bet Ty didn't know where the Faroe Islands was look at that I call on him he's gone um, <laughs> so Ty before you went you met somebody from the Faroe Islands did you know there were a Faroe Islands Okay, that's, <laughs> so that's a, it is God writing our story. And so God's written a different story for this morning, I think, and uh, it is of some verses out of, it's a verse out of Second Timothy, and I'll get to that. And um, I'm going to be teaching sort of my meditations and sort of a framework for that letter and my meditations on that. And so this may, it probably makes wonderful sense to me. Hopefully it will to you. Uh, but that, that verse and my journey through it and the surrounding verses. And so before I do, I wanted to see how many of you have ever played the telephone game? Okay. So this is it's where somebody whispers, you get in a line, and somebody whispers something to one person and then the next person and the next person. And then at the end, you compare the final version with what the initial message was. And usually they're not the same. And so this is where something like, uh, I've looked up some of these, <clears throat> two tiny toads ate fat flies, ends up as travel quick for french fries or something or other. It's, it's like nothing related. So it's entertaining to see what's lost and sometimes what's found in communication when it's passed across people like that. And uh, as a side note, there's no extra for this, that is actually the first recorded game in the Bible. If you go back to Genesis, and you'll see God gave instructions to Adam about don't eat the fruit. And then you don't hear what Adam told Eve, but later you hear Eve tell the snake that you're not even supposed to touch it. We're not supposed to eat it, but we're not even supposed to touch it. So even when people were perfect, there was miscommunication. That's encouraging for all of us who are married. And, and there has been issues with this for centuries, decades, centuries. So, this is, this is not a new issue, and, uh, um, but the focus today is the verses that are in 2 Timothy 1.14, and so if you'll put those up on the screen, Brad, and uh, so the, the one from the ESV, by the Holy Spirit, these are on the back of your pink sheet, and if you'll jot down you take out your handy pen or pencil and jot down those verses under guard the truth on the back page that's got more empty space are from 2 Timothy 1.14. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. And then out of the Amplified Bible, which I, I like to read, I sort of think that way as is, guard with greatest care and keep unchanged the treasure that precious truth that has been entrusted to you, that is the good news about salvation through personal faith in Christ Jesus, through the help of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. 
So we're, we're going to sort of bounce between those two uh, verses there, drawing on both of them. Um, this verse in 2 Timothy is, is, one, of, is out of the, one of the pastoral letters. So this is uh, the three pastoral letters, 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus. And these letters were written by Paul to these, these men, and they were to address false teaching in the church, the churches where they served. One was in Ephesus, Titus was, I mean, T Timothy was, and one was in Crete somewhere. And uh, they were dealing with house churches. So if we're talking house churches, they didn't have a big building like this. They would have maybe half of this group would be in one house. So this would be maybe six or eight churches potentially in this room right here that would be meeting. And so they're, they're overseeing a body of people that are doing this, not one large church. And so Paul's directing, uh, teaching what should be taught and what should not be taught. And um, so I'm going to give a little big picture of this, letter from a pastor to another pastor discussing how to deal with problems in the church. Some people may think, fantastic. This is from a pastor to a pastor about pastor problems. So I hope Grady and CJ are listening to this. And, and uh, this is not relevant to me. Uh, this is about some guy that was dealing with the church 1,957 years ago, long time ago. And so uh, I, this is not real relevant to me. And so I'm, you might think, gosh, I'm glad Paul wrote that, but you know, I'm, not, I'm here now. So that's for those people uh, sometime, uh, I don't have to worry about it. And so I can understand that perspective. I'm gonna, compose, I'm gonna propose that that perspective is deficient, okay? That, that, that is a deficient perspective. And so I'm gonna propose that uh, this verse is from God via Paul to everyone who will teach his church, his people, his children forever all time. So this is not just for them. It's for, uh, obviously we have VBS starting. Who's a VBS teacher? Actually, look on the pink sheet, see if, whether you're a VBS teacher. <laughs> okay. VBS teachers, Sunday school teachers, elders, pastors. Yeah, you've got a whole, do I? Oh, they are. Okay. That's, but there, there's a whole, there's a whole lot of people who are in the teacher category, but this is for those people. This is for the people who have the men's and women's Bible studies, the ones that are participating in that. This is for all those. But uh, this is for people who have kids. You, you teach. You're teaching your own children or not. But you are teaching. Um, you're instructing in some capacity. And so, and if those are categories are fuzzy, then you are a, a member of the body of Christ and you are to be instructing and encouraging one another. And so this is for all of us. This is not just for pastors. That, that's what I'm proposing. And so teaching involves instructing, correcting, applying, introducing, reproofing, training. Um, it's a better question is not, are you a teacher? Because you're, you're probably a teacher in some capacity is what you're teaching. What are you teaching? It's probably a better question for us. So uh, in addition, you say, I'm just a young kid, okay? well. Uh, at some point, you will be not a young kid anymore, and where you prepare to be an older person is when you're a younger person, right? So this is this is for you as well, and but I did provide some extra coloring space if this is this is not if it gets if it gets go, if it gets old. So um, so it's not just for him and for them and for then, but it's for us and for here and for now, and. Uh, 
So let's step back, let's put a little context to these letters in general and uh, a little information about the, the letter and the writer and the receiver and the carrier, so how it got there. So I have a letter here. This is not the original. And this is not the original relatively short letter, Second Timothy. It would be maybe two pages, front and back, of a piece of paper. It's from Paul to Timothy. It would be the second letter he's written to him. It's written roughly 65 AD, somewhere in that time frame. Paul's in Rome. That's why he's writing a letter. Paul's in Rome. Tim's in Ephesus. Uh, they're many miles apart, 830-something miles apart. And so this is, this is why letter's going, and this is not being conveyed some, somewhere. So I want to paint a picture with these folks here. So we have Paul up here. Paul, an apostle, uh, Mamertine prison, Rome. So Paul is writing. Uh, he's an older man. Uh, he was young when Stephen was stoned, and this is 35 years roughly, 30 years later. So he's seen a lot of hardship and suffering in his life. Um, he has been in ministry with Timothy, the person he's writing to, for uh, 10, 15 years. They were ministering together in different places. He's known him. He knows his, he knows his family, and he, he speaks about them in that, in that letter. So he, he is there. He's writing from prison. He is potentially chained. If he's not chained right then when he's writing, he has been because he writes about these chains. And so he's not talking about abstract chains. He's talking about chains that are attached to an arm or a leg. And sometimes those are attached at the other end to a Roman soldier. So when he's talking about guarding and, and being kept, he, he has some perspective on that that we, we don't generally have in our, in our, in our minds. Uh, he is under death sentence and he is awaiting appeal. Uh, he left Timothy in charge in Ephesus. He, he is the one who put Timothy in the situation that he's in. And uh, he has received some information from Tim, and that information said things are not going well. It's maybe a what should I do kind of letter. And uh, false teachers are in the church there. They are damaging. Uh, they are undermining. And this is a church that Paul uh, spent three years or more ministering there. So these are people that he knows He's, he, he, these are people he loves. This is a church that's very dear to him. And he was in soul language for challenges like this in lots of places, but even more so when he knows the people and the place in particular. So he, uh, he's gotten word somehow, uh, that he, which he conveys to Timothy, that some of the coworkers that they had worked with have fallen away, they've gone home, it's either too hard or they don't like it now. Um, Distant and instantaneous communication is not there, so he has to write a letter. And this letter is to encourage and to challenge Timothy. And he's writing not just for the situation then, he's writing for the situation on into the future, in Ephesus and on into the future everywhere else. In fact, we, we talked about the verses from Timothy for deacon and elder selection at different times. So these are verses that are not just for then, they're, they're for now too. And so, um, so Paul will not be there to see what happens. Remember, he's on death row, so he, he's, this is the last letter you might get from me relative to this. And if you see me after this, because he's asked Timothy to come to Rome, uh, he says, I'm not going to be able to go there and follow up on this, so I, I trust you, you're going to have to do this. So Paul... Nutshell, in prison, under sentence of death, almost alone, a dear church is under attack. His designated leader is timid and discouraged. Co-workers are leaving. 
and all he can do is write a letter. That's, that's, see, that would be a little hard. Timothy's perspective, he's a younger man. He's, he has known, he's from the, the hometown where Paul got stoned and left for dead many years prior. That He became a Christian at some point after that, during that, or after that. And uh, they had, again, they co-worked for 12, 15 years. Uh, this is like a father figure to him. This is his mentor. And he had been sent on different charges by him to various churches or left in places when Paul got chased out of town to help encourage the church in those places. So this is a message, and this is somebody that he was looking forward to hearing from. He'd sent a message to Paul in some way that said uh, things are not going well, and he is awaiting that letter. So this letter arrives. Ephesus to Timothy, church of Ephesus, in Ephesus, Roman Empire. Now, these challenges were not totally unexpected. When, when Paul was last there and he saw the elders... Uh, or went at least the time prior when he was there, he told them, savage wolves will come among you from within the church, not, not from outside. Savage wolves will come from outside the church to attack it, and from inside the church to attack it. So this is not a brand new idea, un unexpected totally. And he arrives this long expected letter. The turnaround, like email, I could text my son who's in France and get a message back in about a minute. If he's not, if he's looking or whatever. Here, this would have taken, the letter would have taken a couple months to turn around. A couple weeks, just travel time. So he's reading uh, the long-expected letter and the great news. I'm on death row. I'm in prison. Um, and I'm being challenged to do things here. Um, proclaim the faith that is, is potentially getting you executed. Okay? And uh, you're asking me to come to Rome. And uh, so Timothy's under pressure where he is. He's not sure. He's not meeting his assigned task that his mentor gave him, a man he dearly loves. And he's hearing about coworkers that are leaving and falling away too. So uh, the letter carrier. So now for those of you who have never mailed a letter, which that, that's not as funny as it would have been. So you, you put the address here of who you're sending it to right down here and who it's coming from right here. And then generally there'd be a stamp. That's for all us, the newer fashion people. But at that time, you would take this letter that you wrote and you give it to somebody. And that somebody carried this letter. So you had an individual postal worker for you. And so you see that at some of the letters where it says, and I'm sending this letter with Tikius or something or other, he's bringing that letter. So it's coming, uh, hand carried, uh, the same person takes it and carries it over there going by ship 830 miles over several weeks, uh, depending on the season and the rain and the weather of all different kinds. Um, and then the carrier brought the message in the letter and the, the verb, some verbal message. So the question I ask, why would Paul write it all down if he's gonna send somebody to carry it that could express all that? Well, part of it is because Paul wants to make sure what he wrote down is read exactly by Timothy, number one. You're not leaving any part of that out. He says it's in my own handwriting. So this is in, you can see I wrote this to you. This is not a form letter that's going out to all of the, all of the pastors that I've sent out all over the place. This is going directly to you. And who else is supposed to read that letter besides Timothy? All the people in that church. It's sent to Timothy, 
You see, Galatians is read by all the people in Galatia, and Corinthians by all the people in Corinth, but this letter to Timothy also says when he has to go out, whether he's zealous to do it or he's timid to do it, he goes out and says, Paul gave me these instructions, and I'm following through on these. And so you can see them for yourself. And so he's dealing with false teachers. He's dealing with people who are out of line. This, this is something that helps back him up, and it helps encourage the people that are in the church that are not under false teaching to be encouraged by what they're, they're hearing, that there is a difference and that this is important. So it is not just for them. It is not just for this time. So by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So as I sort of meditated on this, I focused on three words, that deposit, uh, entrusted, and guard. And... Um, when it comes to guard, you think, that's, that's, what am I supposed to guard? And it says the deposit. And so they were dealing with false teaching. And so what I did in Timothy and Titus, these are pastoral letters. They're all basically trying to emphasize the false teaching thing. So on the back here, or on the front, um, you see down one side what Paul calls teaching that is false. All the different things he calls that. Teaching that is false different doctrine, vain discussion, blasphemy, teaching of demons, irreverent silly myths. Another word for myths is man-made fiction. Irreverent babble, swerving from the truth, foolish, ignorant controversies, etc. And so and then you see the the consequences associated with that over over in the very uh, the very right-hand column. And then on the opposite side, you see teaching that is true and what Paul calls that our charge, sound doctrine, the truth, words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you followed, the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ, the pattern of sound words. One of those is the deposit, something that has been given to him. And so uh, I give this to you because in a little while I'm going to challenge you to verify that what I'm telling you is correct. Okay? Not, not while we're all sitting here, but, but uh, that's why. But I'm going to challenge you because that is my, that's my... That's how I read it. That's what I, that's what I see it saying. And so the deposit, the treasure, this valuable thing. In the Amplified Version, it says up here, the uh, precious truth, the treasure. Uh, and then it says what that treasure is. But the, the focus here is on a variety of falsehood. But there's one truth that doesn't change. False will change. False will change year to year to year to year. What's true will not and that is what Paul is, is telling Timothy to focus on. Focus on what is true. Convey what is true. You have been entrusted with this. That has been put in you. And this is what you are to, this is what you're to communicate to others. So it, it talks a lot about words. Uh, because at this time in Rome, the Roman Empire, uh, 10 to 15% of the people could read. And the people who could read were probably better off. Number one, they were, they were men. Number two, and they were in cities. So in Rome itself, more people could read. You get to the outside provinces and by class. Some people, you didn't, I mean, it takes money for education. They didn't have it. And so the estimate is 15 or so, plus or minus a percent of the people in the empire as a whole could read or write in some manner. And so what you see here a lot is we're talking about words and messages, but this would carry over in our context in lots of media because this is not an issue that's here for us in the same way. 
but I'll call it some of these things. What is true, I'll call gospel truth. It's not truth, it's truth with a capital T. Now, it's true you need to change your oil every X 5,000 miles. It's true that uh, asparagus doesn't taste good. It's, you know, it's, it's true, there are lots of truth with a little T, but he's talking about truth with a capital T, and this is, this is not something that changes across time. So false teaching was coming against that, and very clearly, and you, you don't hear a lot of what exactly that false teaching was, you just hear it is coming against it, and it is contrary to what is true. Uh, the, the phrase that I think works best for this as well is in uh, First, First Timothy 6.3. It's down that page there on the very, on the very uh, left-hand side. I think it captures it well. The sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness. So it's not just the good news in the sense of you can be saved, repent and be saved. It is what that gospel is supposed to change and mean in your life once, you, once it's there. Once that gospel is in your life, how is your life different as a consequence? That's a part of the good news and the sound words that are, that are a part of that. We, I want to pause there for a second and just say uh, words that are sound, and I'll, uh, word, the gospel truth is not just you should do something, but if you look and see, you should know why you're doing it. And Paul will tell you why to do things. You're not doing this because it will make you, God love you. He already loves you. You're not doing this because of, of uh, this will bring you closer to him or you'll earn brownie points in some way. He already loves you. He can't love you more. And so the why and the rest of the theological information about why you're doing things is a part of this as well. What your life is supposed to be look like now that Jesus is in it and how that came in there. And so... I think uh, th this sort of explains when it talks up here, the good deposit is the gospel and how it impacts your life. And uh, Paul emphasizes, as you look through here, what's called sound words. Uh, sound being uh, health-giving, health-giving words. Words that bring health and life to, to you, to the church, to you individually. Um, and it, later in Second Timothy, uh, he even compares... Uh, the opposite of that is gangrene. Unsound words spread like gangrene. Not, not, not something that would be desirable. Uh, the catch is you can't tell truth from lies sometimes. You tell by the results. You tell by the results in the life. You tell by the results of the life of the, the conveyor and the life of the recipient, the people who believe that. Um, they don't come with a wrapper identifying them that says, hi, I'm a lie. Don't believe me, you know, or believe me if you want to. They don't generally come that way. Um, they, they are revealed uh, in the lives and the way, the way that life happens, what happens as a consequence. And you see in those columns there the consequence of lies, the consequence of false teaching, the consequence of, got the, the consequence of false teaching, the consequence of teaching that is true in people's lives. And... Uh, Satan himself comes as an angel of light, so he's, he's not coming in the, 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 the same wrapper, if you want to call it that, at the same time. We have a um, ask the people who live, I teach at Troy, ask the people who lived in ancient Troy whether good things always come in, in good and trustworthy wrappers, okay? Wheel the Trojan horse in, and it's full of all kinds of 
individuals that are that are that are there. So, um, closer to home, we have uh, in our family Christmas we would have uh, gifts, and we use the same boxes year after year. So people would open, they'd pull the wrapper off. Oh gosh, this is a whatever. And no, that's not what that is. That is that is a that's a you know it's. You don't trust the wrapper it comes in. It carries, it carries something with it. So the second word I looked at was entrusted. The gospel truth has been entrusted. The good deposit has been entrusted. He uses, uh, Paul uses this word entrusted several times. Uh, nine out of ten of those times that Paul writes this word, he's talking about entrusted with truth, entrusted with gospel truth. Uh, in Romans, the Jews were entrusted with oracles of God. First Corinthians, entrusted to preach the gospel. Galatians, entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised. Paul was. Peter, with the entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised. Entrusted with the gospel. First Thessalonians. First Timothy, entrusted with the gospel. First Timothy 6, the deposit, the good deposit, which we're talking about here, and the preaching with which I've been entrusted in Tim Titus. He's using that idea, entrusted with truth by God, to be conveyed. It is not his truth. He is given it in trust to hold that in the way that it is and to convey that to others. Now, it's, I, was, I was thinking about this. It's like usually when somebody entrusts you something, like if I take my watch off and I entrust it to CJ, later I, I'm gonna, he's, he would expect me to come back and get that. I mean, that makes sense, you know, but God's not coming back to get it later. He's entrusting it to some individuals, because it's to be conveyed to others and it's, it's not to be changed during that, during that transfer. Because it should be pure and holy as it moves to the next people so it can have the same effect and impact in their lives as it, as it moves forward. So I look down to the next word is guard. Now, I've never been a guard, uh, but the idea of guarding to protect, to preserve, to prevent something undesirable from happening Paul, I mentioned, was under guard uh, as he wrote, either actually chained to somebody or in a prison under guard uh, broadly there. But um, So I thought, how is a soldier trained or security guard prepared or trained to do their job? Uh, they're told what to look for. Okay, When the people start acting this way, you want to be watching them. Uh, they stay alert to dangers, uh, instructed how to respond. They may get some practical training with a weapon of some kind. That, that is how a guard might be prepared to, to do that. And then I thought about it. If you think about guarding something, which that's, that's not what they're asked. They're guarding an idea. But guarding something, how challenging that is. So I would think, gosh, let's, we need to put this in a secure place. So what's a, I was looking at, uh, if you're told to guard something incredibly important, you put it in a secure place. So I looked at the crown jewels. I think the crown crown jewels that the Queen of England wears when they have the transfer of power. I think there's, there's 23,000 gems in that, if I remember correctly. Um, it is in a fortress with 10-yard thick walls, surrounded by a 30-foot-yard moat with two separate military-trained units, uh, 150 people total, 100 hidden circuit Cameras, closed-circuit cameras, six-inch thick, two-ton doors, a bomb-proof glass, I'm sure security check and alarms. And I would imagine that's not all there is or they wouldn't tell 
you know, they wouldn't tell all that. So there's probably lots of other things in there that they're not talking about, but there's a lot of stuff, but you're guarding a thing. You're guarding something. And we are not asked to guard a thing. We're asked to guard a body of truth. And, uh, and, and on top of that, we're not supposed to lock it away. We're supposed to take it out and give it to other people and to entrust others to do the same. Very challenging. So guarding the, the truth of the gospel. And so what are we guarding it from? Uh, Timothy, uh, in Timothy's case, specifically lies in the taint that would come with the false teachers. The teaching that's described in this right-hand column over here, the false teachings that comes and the consequences that result from that. He's to guard gospel truth. And he's told guarding will become more challenging than it is now because people's hearts are deteriorating across time. And they will seek teachers. So they're not passive. They're going to seek teachers who will suit their own passions. So they're not waiting to see just what he says. They're hunting for teachers who will say what they want to hear said. Um, and uh, this is what I went out. I, I just want to use the concept of taint. There's, this is pure water, okay? And I went and got this out of the ditch outside. And I'll be pouring glasses of this later for anybody who'd like some. But it is, it is now tainted. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take much to taint. And so uh, this, is, this, is a, uh, this, this idea of uh, ideas and concepts coming in that, that water down and deteriorate truth is, doesn't, doesn't come on a, with a parade announcing it. It doesn't come dressed in red. It doesn't come like that, and it doesn't have to be a, a large amount. And so it is still there. So where does this falseness or these lies, this taint originate? Well, there's a couple sources. Satan, obviously, false teachers. The main one, Satan, has been against God's efforts uh, forever, uh, or since man's been around, since he's been around. And uh, his, uh, he's been against God's efforts. He's been against God's word. He's been against God's people and his plan forever. He's the father of lies. Not, not a big stretch to think that he would be trying to distort truth. And the ultimate source of lies desires to kill, steal, and destroy to snatch truth away or distort in whatever way he can. Uh, I've heard a quote that I'll, that I'll read here from a pastor, a Scottish preacher named Horatius Bonner. He wrote of Satan in the gospel these words. Satan comes as an angel of light to mislead yet pretending to lead, to blind yet professing to open the eye, to obscure and bewilder yet professing to illuminate and guide. He approaches us with fair words on his lips, liberality, progress, culture, freedom, expansion, elevation, benevolence. He seeks to make his own out of all of these, to give the world as much of these as suits his purpose, as much as will make them content without God and without Christ and without the Holy Ghost. He sets himself against God and the things of God in every way. He can deny the gospel, he can dilute the gospel, or he can obscure the gospel, or he can neutralize the gospel. He rages against the true God, sometimes openly and coarsely, and sometimes calmly and politely, making men believe he is the friend of truth. I think that 
He can deny, he can dilute, he can obscure, he can neutralize. He's sometimes openly and coarsely, sometimes calmly and politely, but all with the purpose to dilute and water down and damage the truth. This, the false teachers I mentioned, they're just Satan's proxies. Okay? They may know that. Uh, they may be acting not knowingly about that. They may not. But uh, people act that way. Lists in there that people acted in this way due to pride. They craved controversy. They were greedy, depraved of mind. And some, I'm sure, were just ignorant. They passed on what they didn't know or were unaware of on his behalf. But uh, we have to, be, have, have to be careful of them, but we also have to be careful about ourselves. So it's nice to think, well, Satan does this and false teachers do that, but we have the same kinds of concerns or issues with us. Um, we don't need to underestimate our potential to fall away. Those coworkers that are leaving Paul, I'm sure they didn't sign up and say, I'm gonna check in for a certain amount of time and leave. They, that may not have been their plan either. Okay, they, and they may not stay away, but they are, they, are, they are theirs. We have been saved out of, we've been saved out of e evil and hatred and envy, and you read all the kinds of things that are associated with us before God steps into our lives, and God gives us a new heart, but we still have a pull in that direction, a default pull. And so we have to be fighting against that, our flesh or the old man, the terms that are used for the rest of our lives. That we have a default and we need to be aware of that and, and not presume otherwise. So I put there, but for the grace of God go I. We have to be actively on guard and listen to the Spirit of God. And so um, it's an interesting question. How do I guard something that has to be guarded from me? I mean, you would, if you, you wouldn't hire a security guard to, to guard something it, unless you thought the security guard wasn't going to mess it up, okay? And so, but that's not the case. We have to guard it from us. We have to guard it from ourselves. And I, it, it, it stood out to me a couple of things on this. One is how important a, a team is. We are, to, we are to be sharing truth with one another. And when somebody swerves or goes off track or there's not good understanding on the core essentials of what scripture said, be truth, then we have others that are with us that are stepping in and, and joining with us to ask questions and try to understand that. That's important. And in the case of Timothy, he was, he was encouraged to recruit and identify and recruit individuals who would serve in that capacity in the churches there in Ephesus. So this is something that I think more people that are faithful can help happen, can, can help occur. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Now, what's it say? I was just, what's it say about God who would use messed up people to do such an important job? That shows his glory. Paul writes, he says, I'm the foremost of sinners, yet God uses me this way to show his glory. That's when he uses any of us to, to do anything. It is for his glory because we, we might think on our best day, we are, we are the best choice. You, you, you're pretty smart, God, to have picked me to do this. But if we step back for any length of time, we reflect on ourselves very long, we know that's not, that's not the case. And so that's, God has chosen us. He uses us even though we are earthen vessels. We hold this treasure. We convey it to others. And um, he does that to reflect his glory of what he can do. So what are we guarding for? Well, 
In Timothy's case, he's guarding for the, his self, he's guarding for the church, he's guarding for the future church down the road in Ephesus. But, uh, the, and, or the same as now, we guard for ourselves. We, we don't want, I mean, you look at the column of ugly things that are down this side, I don't want those. I want to be guarding for me so I don't encounter this. I want to guard the truth for my family so that they don't experience this. Okay? I, I mean, I can't make that not happen, but I can do things that are less likely to foster that, if you want to put it that way. So we have physical posterity. Our children, our children's children, etc. cetera. We're, we're doing this for them. I, I was doing some genealogy evaluation uh, for our family, and I found back a number of years ago, a, one of the family members and his wife took, they moved and went out and they joined a cult and they moved out to the west of the United States and as far as you can tell from that point on, that's still where they are. Generations later, generations later, the decisions by those parents, those, those great-grandparents are impacting that generation now. So this is the decisions that we make now will impact our children and their children and their children in a good, a good trajectory. We can't make that happen, but more likely in a good trajectory or a poor trajectory. So there are decisions that we make that will do that. And for our spiritual posterity, do we have brothers, sisters, and sisters in Christ here? And we can encourage them. We can, we can share truth, we can admonish, we can correct, we can do whatever, all those one another things that would be involved in teaching, we can do that in this context here to encourage one another. And as we reflect on the people, if we started with that truth over here, with Paul, God giving it to Paul, and then Paul gives it to Timothy, and then Timothy passed it on to faithful men, and it's moving across person to person to person, and we get over here, because we're not at the end over there, get over somewhere here, we can be thankful for those people who came before us that preserved truth so that we have it now. Because if, and, and in some cases, if you read very much church history, pre preserved, guarded truth at the cost of their lives. Not, not they were just inconvenienced, it cost them their life. And so we have that now available to us because people were willing to guard at that, at that cost. And so we have been told to guard. We have a deposit of gospel truth. We've been told to guard that. We have been uh, entrusted by God with that. And it is, uh, it, we, we know who we're doing it for. We know all those kinds of things. We have those things. But what do we guard it with? Got to guard. What 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 are the resources that I have to guard? Well, those are the resources given by God. Timothy was given, identified. You have the scriptures. They didn't have a lot of. They didn't have the New Testament written down. Uh, they may have the Old Testament, and maybe because he was half Jewish, he could read that. But they didn't have New Testament letters they could flip through. So the communication he's getting is what's what's going to go in here. You know, there's, there's not lots of letters and things floating around in existence. They, don't, they may not exist or they may not have them. And so uh, he is, he is uh, told to refer to those, to trust the prior teaching that Paul gave and the letters that he's written. That, uh, but he's told to measure what is true, measure teaching by comparing it to the standard. Okay? Is this true? I hold it to the standard. Here's our standard. 
We hold it to the standard. Is that true? I hold it to the standard. If it's true, it'll, it'll hold up. It is, if it's off in some way, it will be identified. That's, that's how we're to, that's the resource that God has given us. We're to guard and to use that standard. The Bereans in Acts 17 are commended and called noble because they listen to what Paul was saying. He's presenting gospel truth and they're looking at the scriptures to see if what he said was true. And that is, that's, to be our, that's to be our pattern, if you want to call it that. There's a Russian proverb, and I don't, I'm not going to say my Russian proverb here, but the Russian proverb is, trust but verify. This was a proverb that Ronald Reagan used during nuclear disarmament back in the late 80s. He didn't invent it, but it, he used it then. But it was like, uh, he, he uses that, he said, I trust that you're going to disarm, and we say we're going to disarm, but in addition to that, we're going to send people to go and check to see whether you're doing that, and you can send people to check on us. Okay? So in the context where you have a foundation of people, I think I can trust, maybe trust but verify. In other contexts, maybe I need, my, I need to practice the distrust but verify, because not all, not all things I hear, I should gauge by whether I like them or not. Sometimes truth comes and it's not in a package that I like. I like uh, the, uh, I don't like the message. Uh, we talk about teachers that, that, uh, that want the people who want their ears tickled or they have itching ears. They use that, that phrase at the end of Timothy and it's like, I want to be careful when I hear things I like or hear things I don't like. I need to gauge of whether they're true, not whether I like them. That's not the, that's not the signal of one way or another. So distrust but verify or trust but verify. If, if one of those is a good is a good practice. A second resource is, is told up here at the beginning by the Holy Spirit. We do not have the ability to guard. We, we can't even understand ourselves. Okay? Um, so we, we can't guard by ourselves. We can't guard by our abilities. We and they are both insufficient. And so uh, not only that, sometimes we don't even want to guard, okay? So this is, this is uh, without the Holy Spirit, we're not able to recognize evil we are guarding against or able to do anything about it. And it, it is the Holy Spirit that you read in there. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you in truth and he will convict you of sin. So he's able to assess your motives, our motives, He's able to assess motives, and he's able to help us act on that, but identify the false that might be coming. And so uh, we are commanded to guard, and God gives us the resources to do that, all the resources that we need. And so <clears throat> one final thought on guarding. Uh, we are told to guard, but we're not protecting God. Okay, we're not protecting God. Man may guard. We may guard, but... No one can prevent any, something from being taken that God wants taken. Uh, Jesus was released from the tomb, and there were a whole guard of soldiers there. Demons had captured the demoniac, and, and Jesus came and took him. Took him away from him. said, out of here. Okay? And so we, we're, if God wants something, then, then, then that's, that's, that's going to happen. No one can prevent something from being taken that God wants taken. And God won't allow something to be taken that he doesn't want taken. And we're in the palm of him, his hand, our salvation, us. No, nobody can get you out. So um, Satan has been trying for centuries, but God has persevered 
his word across time. So we are, we are a part of that, but we can trust that God is, is involved. He's not left us alone to do this in his absence. So I want to, we have looked at the verses. We've looked at the letter. We've looked at the verses. We've talked through what the deposit is of the gospel truth. Uh, we have uh, looked at what entrusting is and the application of that generally is to truth from God. We talked about guarding and what that involves. And I want to give you three challenges here. And I pray in the context that we all have that we'll be doers of the word and not hearers only. Guard, number one, prepare and ask. So guard, trust but verify. So I'm here, I start with what I'm saying right here this morning. Is what I'm telling you true? Teaching is true. Do not presume because I have gray hair or I'm, I have a title elder or I have something like that. I'm in the front and I have a podium, you know, whatever else. Um, that's, that doesn't, that's not what makes it true. It's true or it's not true no matter what, what it's coming from. So that's, that's a place. Second, <laughs> this is interesting that this is what God, I think, gave me. We, we've just been hearing truth. Find something in here that you're thinking, I don't know, I buy that. And go look it up. See whether it is true or not, whether you like it or not. Okay? That, that's a second place that you could start with, with that. But trust, but verify. You know, I, there's references. They, they talk about the Bible. Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe I should give it the benefit of the doubt, but go and, go and verify for yourself. Ask questions. So that, that would be the place. That would be the place. And I would say that that is critically important. Uh, if we believe false, if we, we can see consequences that Paul outlines happen from that. That, that's the kind of stuff that happens. If, if false is not just, ah, you know, what's the big deal? It, it is critically important that we have our, we, we have our, I want to say antenna because I'm an entomologist, you know, I studied entomology. We have our antenna up that we're trying to be sensitive to things that are true or not as we hear them. Uh, cons number two, consider what truth you are receiving, who you are taught by and what you're taught. Uh, we might look at the media that we consume to assess the truth that's being offered. Um, I, it, it, my, in my context at home, I, I see these movies that come across and they say, follow your heart. Follow your heart. And then I read in Jeremiah where it says, the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? There's, there's a disconnect there in the message, the truth that is being proposed the worldview that's being proposed and what scripture says is true. And so we should, we should have our, we should be aware of those kinds of things as well. The truths are the foundations of our lives. They either provide a great foundation or they undermine, these truths undermine the way we live our lives. And the third area is ask God. So guard, consider, and ask God, who do you teach? Again, we talked about not everybody is in a pulpit or in a classroom leadership, but everybody in the body of Christ is conveying truth or, or not, or what they think is true. They're conveying that to others. And so be, who do you teach? What might you teach? 
And we teach and share truth whether we're doing it from an organized and official stance or not. So we look at these verses. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit and entrust it to you. Guard with the greatest care and keep unchanged the treasure, that precious truth that's been entrusted to you. That is the good news about salvation through personal faith in Jesus Christ, through the help of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. So we started off with that telephone game, and we are very appreciative that that truth has been entrusted and conveyed in, in, in pure ways as best as it have across all the time. We can't even get through 10 people who are in the same room playing that game. And we're doing this across centuries. So God's a part of that, but we have a, a role in that in assessing and evaluating truth as we, as we receive it. So I'm going to close in prayer. <clears throat> and this is a verse that is out of 2 Timothy. A large house contains not only vessels of silver and gold, but also of wood and clay. Some indeed are for honorable use, but others for common use. So if anyone cleanses himself from what is unfit, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, and prepared for every good work. Father God, I just pray, I pray that you make us, you motivate us, and you make us um, be be vessels for honor, sanctified and useful to you, and prepare us for every good work. We thank you that you have us here in a context where that uh, your word is lifted high, and you are lifted high as, as well. And we, we pray that um, we, will, uh, we will be useful in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all stand with us as we get ready to sing. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever
Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. for your kingdom and for good works. In Jesus' name, amen.